Is Psalm 83 a prophecy about an end time war between Israel and its neighbors? Or is it something else? Many people like Joel Rosenberg dismiss it and point instead to the war of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 as the next end time prophetic war that will take place in the Middle East. But there are many other respected Bible prophecy experts who argue strongly that the next end time war prophesied for the Middle East is the one described in Psalm 83. Stay tuned for views from both sides. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. A major controversy has erupted in recent years among Bible prophecy experts who believe in premillennialism, the view that Jesus will return to this earth at the end of the tribulation to reign for a thousand years. The controversy centers around Psalm 83. It began in 2008 with the publication of this book, Israel's Time, by Bill Solace. The thesis of this book is that Psalm 83 describes an end-time war between Israel and the nations that share a common border with it, namely Lebanon and Syria, Jordan, Egypt, and the Gaza Strip. Bill Solis theorized that the Israelis would win this war overwhelmingly, resulting in peace for their nation. But the peace would be short-lived because the Arab world would turn to Russia, and the Russians would come down against Israel with certain specified Muslim allies in what the Bible calls the War of Gog and Magog, described in detail in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia's Muslim allies will be made up of an outer ring of nations with no common border with Israel today. The Psalm 83 war, on the other hand, would be one between Israel and the inner ring of nations that surround it. So, what about Is Psalm 83 a prophecy about an end-time war that could occur any moment? Or is it describing something else? I contacted Bill Solis and his major critic, Tommy Ice, and asked if they would appear on this program and present their arguments, and both graciously agreed to do so. We are going to begin with Tommy Ice presenting his objections to Bill's thesis, and then Bill will respond. Tommy Ice is the director of the Pre-Trib Research Center that you can find on the internet at pretrib.org. This website contains a treasure trove of articles about end-time Bible prophecy. Here now is Tommy Ice. My problem with the Psalm 83 theory by Bill Salas is that Psalm 83, first of all, does not contain a prophecy. It's an individual lament psalm, a national lament by Asaph. And Asaph uh, is complaining 3,000 years ago about uh, the enemies that surround Israel. And I admit, when you read it, you'd think you're reading about the uh, modern situation in Israel, which shows that in 3,000 years, things really haven't changed. It's it's a basic anti-Semitism. But uh, in some of the lament psalms, like Psalm 79, for example, you have uh, the, the Lord answering uh, the request where he will give a prophecy, for example, about what he's going to do in response. In Psalm 83, you don't have uh, the Lord answering it. 
And therefore, there's an assumption that there's going to be a battle behind this. And there may or may not be, but Psalm 83 does not contain a prophecy. Uh, It just uh, contains the lament or complaint that Asaph is giving. Secondly, when you look at uh, the parallel passages, well, they're not really parallel, but those that mention these nation, ten nations that are people groups that are mentioned in Psalm 83, uh, these are mentioned in the prophets later on. And if you want to look at uh, the development of Old Testament prophecy uh, in any detail relating to Israel, you have to start with the book of Deuteronomy, has an outline of prophecy, uh, and you really don't have much prophecy being given until the prophets come in and they start fleshing out this. Uh, for example, you have Psalm 2, uh, that is uh, uh, the psalm where it says, kiss the son lest he be angry, wire the nations in an uproar, etc., etc. Well, later on, when you learn the outline of Israel's prophecy, you realize that Psalm 2, which was given 3,000 years ago, uh, fits into the idea of the tribulation. And these nations are, you know, going up against God and he's going to judge them in the tribulation. Well, in the Old Testament, you have, I call them the synoptic uh, prophets, just like you have synoptic gospels. Synoptic means the same. And you have uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are similar. And John has like 93% different difference in its gospel. And the same is true in the four major prophets. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And each one of those prophets has a section relating to the judgment of the nations. And most of these uh, nations or people groups that are mentioned in Psalm 83 are given, uh, uh, included in the judgment of the nations. For example, in Isaiah chapter 13 through uh, 23, you have that section. Uh, you have a similar section in Jeremiah. I think it's nine chapters long. You have another section in Ezekiel that's seven chapters long, and they say a lot of the similar things. And the context of the judgment of the nations is going to be at Armageddon, basically. In other words, in conjunction with the tribulation. And so if there's going to be an actual fulfillment of Psalm 83, it's uh, these other passages talk about the judgment of those people groups in conjunction with the second coming when he is going to judge the nations, because that's the very purpose. In fact, Isaiah 20, chapters 24 through 26 talks about the judgments of the nations, you know, basically for their rejection of God. And we learn from Revelation 3.10 that the tribulation's purpose is to test the earth dwellers. That phrase earth dwellers comes from Isaiah 24 and 26, where uh, that's a term that's used 11 times in the book of Revelation. And these are the people who oppose God. And so this is the time in which those nations will be judged. And therefore, I think that the idea that there's got to be a, a Psalm 83 war to set up the peace for Ezekiel 38 and 39 is just built on speculation. And the New Testament warns against speculation uh, a number of times. Paul, especially in the pastoral epistles, says that this is something he warns us about. Now, we all speculate on Bible prophecy, but it's one thing to speculate within the framework 
of clear revelation, like this is the tribulation or this is the millennium and how, how are things going to work out? Because those are settled among literal interpreters, you know, that there's going to be a seven-year tribulation or there's going to be a thousand-year millennium. And, uh, for example, today we see the European Union preparing uh, the way apparently for the revived Roman Empire. We see Israel back in the land because there's dozens of passages that talk about them returning to the land. And, and we speculate within that framework. And uh, even though I agree with Bill that Ezekiel 38:39, the Gog-Magog battle will probably take place uh, at the beginning or before the tribulation, in other words, shortly before that, because I believe there will be an interval of time between the rapture that ends the church age and the start of the tribulation because it takes time for the Antichrist who's being restrained by the church age according to 2 Thessalonians 2 to get into place to set up a ten nation confederacy and for him to arise from among that so there's got to be a period of time after the rapture and before the tribulation starts which starts as a result of Israel agreeing or them imposing a contract on them from that revived Roman Empire and by the beast or the Antichrist himself. Uh, so it, it's very likely that that's when that will take place. And uh, so Bill speculates, because he doesn't give a, a Bible verse or passage uh, to teach this, that there's going to be a war based on Psalm 83 with those immediate nations surrounding Israel to set up the peace and Israel's going to win and all of this and that will set up the the basis for the uh, Gog and Magog thing. Well, when you look at the end of chapter 39, I think it's around verse 28 and following, uh, it talks about how uh, the Lord has hidden himself from the nation of Israel. And that appears to refer to the period uh, from the time of Christ to uh, the tribulation period, because the Old Testament is focused on that 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation period. And so I think the battle of Gog and Magog has to be related to the tribulation period, because it's during that time uh, that Israel is going to come to know Christ. And he's going to be vindicated uh, from that. Before that time, it appears that God is not working directly or prophetically during the church age because the church age is a time in which you have general uh, trends or characteristics. You don't have specific prophecies that are occurring in the tribulation. And when the church age began in Acts 2, you did have some of Israel's prophecies that were fulfilled like the destruction of Jerusalem that Jesus gave in uh, Luke 19, and some of those as they transitioned into that. And apparently, uh, as we transition out of the church age into uh, the time of Israel, you're going to have uh, things like Israel returning back to the land in a similar way. But these events that are talked about in the Old Testament, I believe, have to take place either in near relation to the tribulation or in the tribulation itself. And uh, that's why uh, people who believe that things are going to happen during the church age are called historicists. And people who uh, take it 
more literally believe in the 70th week of Daniel and all of this, that these events will happen in the future to the time of the church age. And I think that uh, since there is no passage that actually teaches the the belief that uh, the Psalm 83 theory teaches, that it's pure speculation. And uh, that's the rationale given in his book, Israel Stein, uh, is that there needs to be something that happens that brings peace to set up uh, the peace required in Ezekiel 38-39. So it's a speculation built upon a speculation. And yet, when I hear people on the radio or talk to friends who believe in the Psalm 83 theory, they talk about it like it's going to be an actual event. And at best, it ought to be noted clearly that this is pure speculation. It is pure speculation because, as I say, there's no prophecy you know, behind it and there's nothing uh, directly that relates to it. Okay, you have heard Tommy Ice's objections to the idea that Psalm 83 is a prophecy about an end-time war that will precede the war of Gog and Magog. Let's hear now Bill Solace's response, which we videotaped at the annual pre-trib conference in Dallas. First of all, uh, I highly recommend Tommy Ice as an excellent teacher when it comes to talking about the pre-trib rapture. Uh, often we'll refer people to the pre-trib rapture website, and I think he's got a lot of outstanding work on that. And I do also agree with him that the uh, Psalm 83 is a prayer of lament, an imprecatory prayer. Uh, that Asaph is calling upon the Lord to uh, intervene, and, and he's beseeching him to uh, deal with his adversaries. But where I think Thomas Ice falls short is seeing the prophetic aspects within the psalm. Uh, he points. He thinks it's just a prayer of lament and not a prophecy. Well, let's start with this. Second Chronicles 29.30, Hezekiah says that uh, he commands the Levites to sing the praises of King David and Asaph, who's the author of the psalm, and he calls him a seer. Uh, the Hebrew word is clearly talking about a beholder of vision, a prophet. So Asaph wrote 12 psalms. Psalm 83 is one of the most prophetic of the psalms. He was a prophet. Now Hezekiah would be very interested and would know that he was a prophet because among the confederacy that Asaph talks about in Psalm 83 is a member called Assyria. Now at the time that Asaph wrote, Assyria was not even in the picture. They weren't even really one of Israel's enemies until later. But they were an enemy of Hezekiah. Uh, They had come into the fray with Israel uh, during Shalmaneser II around uh, 850 B.C. And Hezekiah was around 701 B.C. So Assyria was already interacting with Israel problematically. They destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 B.C. So Hezekiah around 701 B.C. had to deal with the Sennacherib issue with Assyria. So Hezekiah would be very concerned about what's going on with Assyria, and he would know that Asaph had spoken about Assyria in a prophecy. Another thing when we talk about this prophecy, um, Asaph talks about, and I wanna, I'm going to conclude by talking about the psalm and breaking it down as a prophecy, but among the confederacy that Asaph talks about, he talks about, includes a place called Gabal, along with Assyria. Now Gabal, you don't even hear about them until Ezekiel 27. Ezekiel wrote long after uh, Asaph. Asaph wrote about 
1,000 uh, years B.C. Ezekiel wrote, you know, about 500, 600 years B.C. So he, was, he wrote after. So it had to be a prophecy because Asaph was not just saying, God, help us with these enemies around us. And he listed a very specific group of 10. And, of course, Israel had much more than 10 enemies up to that point in time. But he lists a specific 10. And so two of them weren't even in the fray uh, at that point in time. So he was talking about a future scenario. Now, he also talks about them in a habitation condition. So he's talking about this confederacy. And he calls the very first member the Tents of Edom. He's listing some population, some people group in a habitation condition. Now, biblically speaking, that would be either military encampments or refugee crises, uh, refugee conditions. Um, the Edomites, descendants of Esau, have ethnical representation in the Palestinians today. I do believe that what Esau was trying to tell us uh, became a reality in 1948 that there would be a refugee crisis, a Palestinian refugee crisis, and they would they would be part of this overall problem. And, and I think that finds its, its face in today. Now, also, he says about Assyria, they actually help the children of Lot. So you have a confederate member that is assisting another confederate member. The children of Lot would represent Jordan for the most part today. And at no time in, in Jordan's history did Assyria ever help Jordan until they were involved in wars in 1948 and 1967. And Jordan was not one of the stronger members in that war. So I think it's... it's uh, a prophecy from that perspective. Asaph was a prophet, but that's just one argument about it. One of the things that, that uh, Dr. Rice talks about, which is a little bit disturbing to me, is that he says, when my friends and uh, speak about Psalm 83, or I hear radio interviews about Psalm 83, he says, at best, it should be said that this is just utter speculation. First of all, that ignores an enormous amount of research I've done through the years. And I wasn't the first one to write on Psalm 83. This was not my brainstorm of an idea or hypothesis. Uh, mutually respected people like Dr. Ronald Fruchtenbaum first wrote about it in his book, The Footsteps of the Messiah. David Dolan wrote about it in his book, Israel in Crisis, before I even wrote about it. But when he talks about my friends that are speculating, um, let's unpack that a little bit. We're talking about Hal Lindsey, who advocates the similar Psalm 83 hypothesis, Dr. David Reagan, Chuck Missler, Gary Stearman, a lot of notable, uh, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, as I said, a lot of notable names, very respectable. So from my perspective, uh, I don't think those guys took my word for what the interpretation of Psalm 83 would be without them cracking the books and figuring out for themselves whether it was a prophecy. So I think... Just broad brushing that speculation is, is a little bit dangerous. Now, this interview you saw with Dr. Rice, he could only cover a modicum of uh, an overview of what he had written in a, uh, a dissertation that he wrote around 2011 called Consistent Biblical Futurism. And in that, he devoted uh, sections 10, 11, 12, and 13 to Psalm 83. And, and one of the things I want to clear up on this, and I certainly invite you to Google that and read that if you really want to hear all of his general arguments on that. But at the same time, I would invite you to get my book, Psalm 83, The Missing Prophecy Revealed, where I address every objection he's made and every objection everybody else has made about why Psalm 83 is perhaps not a prophecy for our time and things like that. But I do want to quote one thing he says right in the beginning of his dissertation. He says, consistent futurists believe that future Old Testament prophecy will start to be fulfilled after the rapture of the church, except the prophecy of the rapture itself. So what he's saying there is that 
Bible prophecy, apart from the rapture, will be fulfilled after the rapture. And as you read his teachings on futurism, more specifically, he's putting all of it into the catch-all closet of the seven-year tribulation period. So in essence, pretty much all prophecy, apart from the rapture, finds final fulfillment in Daniel's 70th week in the tribulation thing. Now, he goes on to say, Bill Solace has set forth the speculation that Psalm 83 prophesies a separate end times war that will take place at the end of the current church age before the rapture. Solace teaches that before tribulation, before the battle of Magog, which will take place before the tribulation, even before the rapture, toward the end of the current church age, Israel will be invaded by the nations surrounding it. First of all, I want to clarify, I, when I read that, I emailed Dr. Ice and I said, please point out where I said that or where you gleaned that thought, because I certainly don't know where that was. I never wrote that, and he never responded to me. And uh, I just so I want to go on the record right now, and in all my subsequent works, I've made it perfectly clear that I do not believe that Psalm 83 has to precede the rapture. Now, it might. The rapture could happen before, it could happen during, or it could happen after Psalm 83. But I believe in the doctrine of eminence, as does Dr. Ice. I believe that we should be looking for the return of Jesus at any given moment. But I also see, watching the geopolitical situation in the Middle East, that Psalm 83 is also very eminent. And it could happen, and we need to be prepared for it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the psalm. Um, Asaph is petitioning God about a concern, a genocidal attempt of the Jewish people. He's saying that... Uh, they're going to form a confederacy. They're going to have a plan, a contemporary confederacy of Arab states. These Arab states share common borders with Israel. That they're going to have a contemporary confederacy. They're going to have a plan to destroy the nation of Israel, that the name of Israel can be remembered no more, if that's a prophecy for our time. That means they don't want peace with the Jews today, the Arabs and the Palestinians. They want peace without the Jews. And they don't want a two-state solution they want one more state, and they want to fly the flag of Palestine over it. And folks, I think this is a very real concern. Uh, it certainly is with Israel, and it should be concerned for you as supporters of Israel. He goes on to talk about the Confederacy, as I said to you. Now, Dr. Rice has made the comment that uh, if this is a prophecy, how come the, it's not in the prophets? It's the major and minor prophets that start emphasizing prophecy. Well, I point out in my book, Psalm 83, The Missing Prophecy Revealed, that the prophets did talk about that. And I point out about 150 verses that I think apply to the prophets addressing these very population groups, Edomites, Ammonites, Moabites, uh, Gebal, Assyria, Ishmaelites, Hagarines. And, and I put maps in the book, of course, of who they are. The Arab states sharing common borders with Israel. I call them an inner circle. Inside of that inner circle, you've got terrorist populations that have evolved, Hezbollah, Hamas, of course, you've got the Palestinians, etc. So I will let you read through my book, and you will see that I believe Asaph has spoken, and the other prophets, very much about, about them. Now, I think the problem that Dr. Rice runs into is because he believes that in consistent futurism that the judgment of all the nations will occur in the tribulation period. Okay, and I think he gravitates towards that, and he cert- I certainly respect his view on that. But when that happens in the campaign of Armageddon, uh, this is the Lord returning. Jesus is returning, and he's dealing with the Antichrist single-handedly. He's fighting them off. Okay, what I point out is that the Israeli defense forces today are instrumental. They're the tool the Lord uses to fight off the Psalm 83 Arabs. And I show scriptures like Ezekiel 25, 14, dealing with Edom. I will execute vengeance by the hand of my people Israel, not by the Messiah, by the hand of my people Israel, 
on Edom, and they shall know my fury and vengeance. Obadiah 1.18 is a very important prophecy. Um, the house of Jacob will be a fire. The house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau shall be stubble. Esau is the father of the Edomites. The Edomites have the tents of Edom in this prophecy. So the thing, and even Asaph petitions the Lord to, in verses 9 through 11, to deal with this confederacy in the manner of historical Jewish military precedent. At the time of Gideon, when he defeated the Midianites, the Lord empowered Gideon to defeat the Midianites. 300 men kill 120,000 Midianites. He also talks about deal with them like uh, uh, Barak, the general, did at the time of the Canaanites. And, and the Israelites won. They were empowered. So he's petitioning the Lord to deal with them, empower the Israeli defense forces through the matter of historical precedent, as was done. So as I conclude here, um, certainly respect Tommy Ice. I just don't, don't agree with him. He falls short on calling it a prophecy. I, I invite you to certainly read all the things he said, but pick up my book and read it too. Because, folks, I think Psalm 83 is on the nearby horizon. And that also means that Jesus could come at any given moment. Thank you. When Bill Solace first published his theory in 2008, I endorsed it immediately with a feature article in our Lamplighter magazine. I did so because I had always taught that a limited war in the Middle East between Israel and its immediate neighbors would result in a victory for Israel that would, in turn, motivate the Arab world to cry out to Russia for help, which would lead to a Russian invasion of the area, with the Russians accompanied by the outer ring of Muslim nations mentioned in the War of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Although I had taught this for years, I had never made the link between Psalm 83 and the war of Israel with its immediate neighbors, with with those with whom it shares common boundaries. I still believe this is the most likely scenario. First, the limited war of Psalm 83, and then the broader war of Ezekiel 38 and 39. One of the immediate objections to Bill's thesis took the form of an accusation that he was inserting events that must take place before the rapture. But folks, that objection was unfounded. Bill never placed any event before the rapture. According to his thesis, the rapture could occur before these wars or during them or after them. Bill has been consistent in arguing that the rapture is a signless and imminent event that could occur any moment. Basically, those who object to Bill's thesis about Psalm 83 simply argue that the psalm is a prayerful lament against the enemies of Israel. And you know what? It could very well be. Bible prophecy is not always clear, and that provides legitimate grounds for honest differences in interpretation. I want to thank both Tommy Ice and Bill Solace for agreeing to appear on this program and share their viewpoints about Psalm 83. If you would like to study this issue in greater detail, I would recommend this particular video by Bill Solace entitled Psalm 83. In just a moment, our announcer will tell you how you can get a copy. Well, that's it for this week. I hope this program has been a blessing to you, and I hope you will be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Are you interested in delving even deeper into the amazing prophecy that is Psalm 83? Then you will want to order Bill Salas's newest DVD series, Psalm 83, The Missing Prophecy Revealed. This powerful resource contains three of Bill's most revelatory teachings and comes complete with instructional images and maps. 
The Psalm 83 prophecy identifies an Arab confederacy that's bent on wiping Israel right off the map. Now, many Bible prophecy experts are predicting that the next prophetic war will include Russia, Iran, Turkey, and several other countries joining to invade Israel, according to Ezekiel 38. But Bill Salas shares the multiple reasons why Psalm 83 could truly be the next Mideast news headline. Get your copy today for a donation of $15 or more, plus shipping. Just ask for it by name, Psalm 83, The Missing Prophecy Revealed DVD. Call the number you see on the screen, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday Central Time, or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 